Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Completely Random Foolishness Podcast hosted by me, Asia. Today we are recording this episode on Anchor on my phone using my headphones. I destroyed the Wi-Fi adapter in my computer and I'm kind of angry with it right now. I've been tinkering with it for some time now, so I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to even mess with it right now. I'm going to use my phone and we're going to work with what we got. Today's episode is all about near-death experiences and the reason that I'm doing an episode on this is because I had something happen to my arm, I believe Friday, and uh, basically here's what happened. I hit my wrist on the door of the microwave. There are two little things that stick out. I don't know. I call them prongs. They might be latches or hooks or whatever it is that they're called. That is what I hit my arm on. And it hit it right over top of a vein. And my arm, like my wrist, that section that I hit it, it turned really, really, really red as if like I had broken a blood vessel or something. And it swole up. So I figured, you know, I'll just push on it. I didn't know how swelling works. I actually didn't even think about putting ice on it. I just kept poking at it until the swelling went away. And then, and then I, you know, I thought it was fine, but it wasn't (laughs) because I immediately, uh, well, immediately after the swelling went away, I noticed that my arm was starting to lose its feeling. You know, that pins and needles tingly feeling that you get when your arm is falling asleep or your foot or whatever it is that's falling asleep. That is how I felt. And so all the way up from my shoulder down to my fingertips, I lost the feeling in my arm. And and I was like, hmm, something's not right about that. So I was thinking, you know, my hand is really cold. Maybe I'm just not getting enough blood to it. Maybe um, something is blocking the vein. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, okay, hands going numb, arms going numb. I can't feel it. I can't move it. Something's not right. And, you know, I'm desperately trying to shake it, shake some feeling back into it, shake some warmth back into it, try to get that blood flowing. And it just, it just wasn't working. Eventually it did, the feeling did come back to my hand and my arm, but it would go in and out and in and out and in and out. And then, uh, so yeah, that's, that's like basically what happened. I don't, want to explain the whole thing but I did I was very nervous that I had a blood clot because you know blood clots can travel to your lungs and then you'll have a problem I had just gotten through watching an episode of what was it a million little things and I won't spoil it but there was a character on there that had a it was a side character so (laughs) If you haven't, the the episode was from last week. So if you haven't seen it, I'm really sorry. Um, I'm going to try not to spoil it. But a side character had a pulmonary embolism, which is where I believe the blood clot uh, goes to your lungs. I think that's what it is. Something like that. It has something to do with blood clots. That's all I can say. And so I was scared. I was like, oh my God. I was Googling the signs. I was like, what are the symptoms of a pulmonary embolism? I was like, okay, maybe I have deep vein thrombosis, even though um, the injury had happened to my wrist and not my legs, where usually deep vein thrombosis happens. I was scared, like, what if it traveled to my legs? I don't know how blood 
vessels work. I don't know anything about that. So I was, you know, I was really concerned. I did eventually go to the doctor to see what had happened because I was like, okay, also, <laughs> I told my, um, told the nurse and said, well, here's the thing. My other arm is starting to lose the feeling in it as well. And my legs are like really, really tight, like, um, like the muscles in it. And so she was like, that stuff's not usually caused by wrist injury. I was like, I know. So tell me why it's happening because it didn't start happening until I hit my wrist. And what we eventually worked out was that I was not losing the blood to my wrist. I took a blood test and everything came back fine. Um, I also had an x-ray done on my wrist. And the issue was actually that the swelling in my arm, although on the outside it was fine, on the inside it was still kind of swollen and it was constricting the blood, um, the blood, the, the veins. It was constricting the veins and it was also pushing against the nerve and the nerve, the combination of the nerve and the squeezed veins is what caused me to lose the feeling in my arm. It wasn't anything serious. It just said I really just needed to ice it and um, maybe take some Tylenol for the pain, not Tylenol, ibuprofen for the pain and um, just like stay off my arm. So that's what I've been doing and it's getting better. It's still really, really achy and I can't pick up anything heavy, but I'm no longer um, nervous. I also realized that the um, even though there was a lot of tension in my upper arm because the muscle was contracting so bad, um, it was actually like it was making my arm turn red. And I'm fairly brown skinned, so <laughs> I don't usually turn red. So that's I was also really concerned about that. But I, I was wondering, I was like, well, I know why my arm muscles are contracting but I don't know why my legs are doing the same thing and it was really as because I was nervous I was very very nervous and um, it was causing me to really really tense up to the point where it hurt it really hurt <laughs> that is how scared I was and I even had a small panic attack the night before I went to the doctor just because I couldn't sleep and I had only gotten about two hours of sleep that night my arm was hurting me so bad anyway I said all of that to say this I was really scared that if it was a blood clot I was going to die I just I overreact sometimes like that I've never had anything really really serious happen never had to have surgery I've never broken anything and so you know for me my arm going numb was a sign that I was like oh gosh something is not right <laughs> thankfully that is not the case and I am perfectly okay but it also caused me to think about just death. And I know that that is a really morbid topic to kind of discuss on a podcast that is supposed to be about completely random foolishness. But I thought I'd just share some other near-death experiences. Um, well, okay. Let me take, let me go back. Let me go back. I'm not saying that what I had was a near-death experience. I'm just saying it caused me to think about near-death experiences. And so I went on Reddit, which is just full of so much great content. <laughs> and I discovered a couple of different um, 
uh, really, really, <laughs> I was trying to think of what I want to say. I discovered a couple of really, really good near-death experiences that people wrote about. And so I'm going to talk about those. I also want to briefly mention a near-death experience I had a few years back. So this is really weird. <laughs> and that's kind of why I want to talk about it. So my dad and I used to go to this church that is about a 20 minute drive from my house and we were going to I think it was choir practice and it was kind of late it was in the evening and it was dark and we're on the way there now on the way there it's like it's through the country it's like animals and trees and forests it just like everything it's just so so way out in the country so we're going down this pretty windy path and at the end of this windy path, there is a um, like a little straight stretch of road and it's a T intersection. So when you get to the end of the road, we were going to make a left and continue on down that way. Um, and at the end of the T intersection, there's a stop sign, obviously. And on the other side of the road, there was a huge field and a brick house. So also, let me mention that this huge field had a huge ditch right by the road. So my dad and I are on the windy little path and we're getting ready to hit that straight stretch of road that leads to the T intersection. But we're just talking and we're just, you know, listening to music and not really, I don't know, nothing was really special about the moment. There was nothing important going on, but the both of us turned to look at this really, really bright light. It was super bright. Uh, now, after we had told this story to other people, um, other people were saying, well, maybe it was a car. But no, it wasn't because we would have seen the cars at the T intersection. Nobody was turning. There was nothing there. It was completely empty, but it was dark. And there was this extremely, extremely bright light. And it was so bright that that's really all we could focus on we were like whoa what a really bright light but here's the thing we were so focused on the light that we didn't realize that we had come to the straight stretch of road and we're and we're nearing the end of it so we shot right past the stop sign and at this point I think we had realized what had happened because we hit the ditch and when the car hit the ditch, it's not like we rolled down in the ditch. We hit it and we hit the air like we were airborne. And so the both of us, um, we didn't say anything. <laughs> we were really quiet. And I don't know how it was for him. I'll have to ask my dad. But for me, time had just slowed down. It felt like maybe we were in the air for 10 seconds, even though I know that it wasn't that long. But it just felt like we were in the air, just kind of hovering. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's it. It was just like, whoa. Everything around me had stopped and I was like hyper aware of my surroundings. I was like, my dad's here. We're in the car. We've passed the stop sign. That bright light is gone. Now we're in the air. Oh, crap. Now we're in the air. And that is when I hit the ground. Well, the car hit the ground. And it hit it hard, too. And so when the car stopped, um, 
Well, after it hit the ground, it rolled a couple of feet. And when it rolled, it stopped right in front of the brick house, right in front of it. And so I know we had to have torn up the, those people's yard, but um, the ditch was, yeah, I don't even remember looking at the ditch, but the ditch was probably destroyed. So we stopped like a few feet in front of the brick house. And for a moment, the two of us didn't say anything again. We were just really quiet. And then I looked at him and he looked at me and we both like just cracked up laughing. We were like, what was that? We got out of the car and uh, we looked around. I think we were in, I, I want to say, I really want to say we were in either my dad's um, Cadillac, the SRX he had, or we were in the Jeep Cherokee. We had a little black Jeep Cherokee too. I can't remember which one it was, but it was either one of those two. Whatever it was, we got out of the car and we looked. And I kid you not, there was not a single scratch or dent or anything on the car. It was so odd. It was so, so odd. And we were fine. Um, but we were so, so, so close to having an accident and hitting the, hitting the, like, the side of the house. A brick house and a car, like those two things don't mix. So we ended up, um, I don't think we went to practice that day. <laughs> we just turned around and went home. But yeah, so thinking, going back and thinking about that, it was just really weird because, you know, time slowed down completely to where I was able to focus on so many little details that I shouldn't have been able to focus on in that short amount of time that we were in the air before we hit the ground. It's just, it's just very weird to me. Well, anyway, to this day, we still don't know what that bright light was. We don't have a clue what happened. It didn't even seem, to be honest, like the light was there long enough for us to pass the stop sign and go across the road. It, it I don't know. It was like, it was kind of weird. It was like we had been teleported because one moment we were just at the start of the stretch of road that led to the T intersection and then the next minute we were going past the stop sign we weren't even going that fast it was so weird so in honor of near-death experiences I want to read a couple that I found on reddit like I said and they were just pretty good so let me get to the first one this one is from Shh, a duck written December 6 2016 and it goes like this. It was more what I felt than what I saw. I almost drowned my first time whitewater rafting. I started out panicked, as is expected, until I realized I was truly stuck in a rapid with a raft and four other people on top of me that wasn't moving. At that point, I honestly just gave up and started to, and started to taking on water, eventually starting to black out. My world got quiet and peaceful and my whole body got really warm. I was almost completely out when someone jumped into the water and frankly kicked me out from under the raft. I spent a lot of time trying to get back to that level of serenity I experienced that day through meditation, but I've never been able to feel that since then. And someone else replied and said, um, I used to have a lot of dreams where I drowned and it felt exactly like this. It's strange how you can feel warmth on a dream so real. And that's a topic I actually want to cover for another day, dreams. So I'll save that for later. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this person really experienced basically the same thing I did. It was a moment of, like, just peace. 
Because when we were in the air, my dad and I, when we like hit the ditch, we went really pretty high. I'm not gonna lie. We were pretty high. It was not like we hit it and we immediately landed back down. No, we were up there. And um, it was a very, very steep ditch. So it, it was really peaceful. And I just, I didn't even know how to, dis- I don't even know how to describe the moment because it's not like, you know, like this person said, it's not something that you can really get through meditation. It's kind of like a, it's over sense of peace and that's really morbid and that's really weird to say but it's like the moment where you just give up control when you know that things are so totally out of your control at that point that you kind of just accept it and that's kind of I guess I guess that's what this person went through so let me go to the next one this one's by dice nine also written December 6 2016 And this person said, a few years ago, I was in a workplace accident that nearly killed me by slow crushing. Time just seemed to slow down. All my senses seemed to get a lot sharper. All of a sudden, lights were brighter, sound was louder, smells were stronger, and a sense of hopelessness came over me because there was nothing I could do to escape the situation. Wow, that's exactly what I just said. (laughs) That's exactly what I just said. You're like, you're... Your senses are heightened. Like, you just notice everything. And, like, time slows down. And you just kind of, like you realize your your own lack of control. So to continue, this person said, I thought I was either going to die or was going to be snapped in half and left a paraplegic. All I could think about was my daughter. Luckily, luckily, neither of these things happened. As the person operating the piece of machinery that was crushing me noticed that it was going at a slower rate than usual and stopped it to check why. It left me unable to walk, to walk properly without pain for about six months, but I'm fine now. So anyway, someone else asked for the backstory. Turns out this person works on fighter jets and was working on the rear ejection seat once I closed the aircraft canopy on him. I don't know how that works. So I'm trying to explain it. Um, and also bipolar there replied and said that they also work on ejection seats. That's a really dangerous thing. I have no clue how this works. They also they took the time to explain it in a whole nother reply. It's pretty long. <sighs> I'm so sleepy. <laughs> okay. Um... I think that's really interesting because this person like actually was getting crushed. <laughs> um, I wasn't dying per se. Like I was very, very close to having an accident, but I was dying. This person was actually just like the person that was in the water. They were both experiencing the thing that was going to kill them. So I just, I think that's pretty interesting. I know I keep saying that, but <laughs> that's, I really do think that that's very interesting. That's why I love these kinds of stories. You know, the um, just the way your mind works in situations where bad things are happening. Um, some people get adrenaline rushes and are able to get out of these types of situations. Some people, um, they just like let go. Your mind works different ways and I, it's really fascinating. I, I kind of want to explore it. So... This next one is a little lighter, lighter hearted because <laughs> this person made a joke. So this is from Chon 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 12. <laughs> so this says way different tone than most people's story. But I was working in the back of a truck on the side of a road when I heard a car hitting rough ground and coming toward me really fast. I was working on a movie set and I recognized it as the big catering company truck leaving set. 
after just feeding us lunch. It was a local restaurant and luckily my favorite for most of my life, a Mexican place called, I want to say it's Andales, but Andales, no, the accent is over the last E, so it's probably Andales or something. Um, so with the truck seconds from killing me, my mind went blank and just one thing popped into my head. I don't know what it says about me, but it was a stupid joke for my funeral. He lived, no, he died like he lived with a face full of Andales. The driver swerved back on the road about three yards from hitting me, and my brain was really weirding me out that day. I like that this person made a joke, <laughs> and I actually I've never heard of Andalus before. I don't even know if that's how you say it. I'm just guessing. Whew. But it seems like there's a common theme with all of these. You know, people just like their like their mind is very, very cleared, and they focus on like things that <laughs> you probably should focus on at that moment but this person you know like it said uh, like he said it probably it says a lot about him that he made a joke in his what might have been his last few moments here's another one uh by cheesy blazing i was attending a band camp at a school that had a train track going through a major set of steps that you need to walk up to get to breakfast and all my friends were in front of me because i was running late and they had already crossed the train tracks. A train was coming and I didn't want to have to wait for it to go by. So I sprinted and I tripped right before the tracks and decided to go ahead and cross in front of the train anyway. That was literally like 15 feet away from me. That's as close to death as I've come so far, but I saw nothing and coincidentally feared my friend did however keep myself free from walking on train tracks. <laughs> I'm laughing because the next one, that screenshot is, is my favorite. I'll do that in a second. It's about this train track person. This person did not experience the same thing that everyone else experienced. It's probably, like I said, the, the common theme for all of those is that they were actually experiencing the thing that was going to kill them. This person was like me, or something could happen, but didn't. Except um, with me, probably because I'm just very overdramatic when it comes to these things, my mind was so thinking, hey, I'm in the air. This is happening. This is happening. What's going on? <laughs> it's very peaceful. So, that is, you know, it goes back to mind works so mysteriously. You never know how things are going to react. But I do think that in an experience that a person has where they're about to die and they're experiencing the thing that, like, physically experiencing things that is going to kill them, I think that your mind sort of, in one ways, you either get a huge rush of, of adrenaline um, or you pull back. You just let go. And I think that's the only time that people get adrenaline is when your body and your brain sort of understands that this is something that I can control. And you don't get the adrenaline rush, like you pull your brain is subconsciously telling you, okay, I can't control it. The example of that is this video I saw, I think it was in old school, where uh, the guy was talking about his cabin and the cabin was on fire and he was trying out and he noticed that there was something very, very, I don't know what's the word, combustible, flammable, something was in there that was going to explode if it caught on fire. And so the man looked at it and he said, oh, I've got to get out of here. And so he took off running as fast as he could, not worrying about the flames around him, not worrying about building, you know, probably going to come down. He wasn't worried about nothing but running as far away and as fast as he could. And he said that time sort of slowed down for him and he could feel the back of the, um, behind him, he could feel the explosion, like start to expand behind him. And that's when he like pumped it even further until he got far away and of course he was hurt he was burned a little but he did not face like the brunt of the explosion that happened when he was far away so i think that's really cool and it still 
goes to show you that your mind does go down when these types of things happen. These types of things happen. It's um, also equated to when a person runs hurdles. Like you, your brain has to process so much more. Your brain is processing running, not um, and not tripping. Like you ever notice that you think about it when you run, when you're running really fast, if you start thinking about it, you'll start to trip up. It's like when your brain is on that mode, though. You might think about it, and you just like you're just running. <laughs> the moment you start to think about it, you might trip over your own two feet, and that's kind of what it's like running hurdles. Like you're trying to process. Your brain is trying to process your feet moving that fast and also trying to process, you know, the time, calculate the time what you have to jump, like where you have to jump, how high you have to jump, and to, you know, keep running when you hit the ground. I think that is very, very interesting. It's not like this man's brain is going slowing down and it's mapping everything out from start to finish what needs to happen. So this next one <laughs> is by Atheistic Alex. And he says, I went swimming deep in and nearly drowned. That's what he said. <laughs> he didn't answer the question. And so somebody replied, did you see anything abnormal? And my guy said, just water. <laughs> I don't even know why he responded to this question. He didn't like, he didn't answer the question at all. The question says something about like, explain what you felt <laughs> when you had a near death experience. He's just like, I just saw water. <laughs> okay, here's another one. I like this one. It's by Hazel Mouth, and this person says, We were playing football one evening. The sky was covered with dark clouds, and thunder was rolling above. The wind was strong. A drop of thunder is coming. We knew that, but being reckless teenagers, we kept kicking the ball around, having fun. It was something else to clear. In slow motion, we can see the bluish lightning bolt zap past us and strike the goalpost. We still. Oh, we're right here. Okay, let me go back. In slow motion, we can see the bluish lightning bolt zap past us and strike the goalpost. We stood there stunned for a while and Came the loudest thunder we ever heard. We bolted from the field to our room, pissing ourselves in here. As we ran, my friend kept how he was still young and don't want to die. I like this one because I'm, <laughs> I'm very, very afraid of lightning. Uh, when I was younger, my backyard was struck by lightning and it burned up all of the grass in the backyard, like fried it. And the dirt, it was so cool because we just had like regular brown soil in the backyard. But after we got hit by lightning, we had driest, most cracked Sahara desert looking dirt in the backyard. Not, okay, it's a Sahara desert, but that implies sand. But I mean, like, it was just like dry. Like, if you can imagine, I don't know, maybe a lake being dried up. It was super, super dry. It was cracked. And my brother and I just used a shovel and just like, <laughs> would shovel at the cracks in the ground just because it was easier to shovel. And now there was like huge lines. There's just like, it's like little veins going everywhere in the dirt. It's gotten better now because it's been years since I had to get grass back. But at that time, oh my goodness, I used to love to play in the dirt because of how it looked. And so yeah, I'm really grateful that none of us are staying outside when that happened. All right. I think I've got a few more. A few more. Let's see where we're at. Okay. This one is by Totally Okay Guy in 2014. <laughs> I like this one too. And he says, well, I was actually dead. So yeah, runs in the family. Asthma attack, died at hospital, came back, no memory of it. My father has died twice as well. He's still alive. We cool like that. <laughs> Somebody replied saying, wow, what imagery. Amazing story. I feel like I was there with you. <laughs> this guy like really didn't explain anything. So somebody else also said, wait, can you explain? So he did. It's not hard to come back from death. You've got a couple of minutes. Basically, we asthmatics stop breathing. So then we pass out. 
Then our heart slows to a crawl. Then our brain dwindles. But just before that happens, they blast us with some oxygen or something. I don't even know. I'm not smart enough to know what happened. I just know that we were told we were dead. <laughs> so <laughs> this other guy says, being dead. Just asthmatic things. <laughs> yep, like it's just being dead. That's just part of being asthmatic. <laughs> That's how this guy like made it sound. So what's cool about this one is that the definition of death, I don't really get because you can be what is it like what do they pronounce you like clinically dead I think that's the term that I'm looking for I don't know it's like or I you know I let me shut up before I say something and don't know what I'm talking about let me type it in google clinically dead okay clinical death is the medical term for cessation of blood circulation and breathing two necessary criteria to sustain human and many other organisms lives it occurs when the heart stops beating a condition called cardiac arrest the term is also used in resuscitation research. Okay. So clinically dead. That's probably probably what this guy was. His breathing had stopped. His heart had pretty much stopped. And um, he wasn't getting enough blood. So he was clinically dead. But like, was he really dead? Like, is he go into the afterlife dead? Is he like dead as in you just can't come back dead like bury him in the ground dead this i feel like death is so broad it's very broad and i don't know because i've never died um but it's like for people so i don't know obviously the, the difference between a clinical death and, just a death death. and i don't know that's the same thing but what it's looking like here is that this dude was clinically dead so i guess if you're clinically dead technically you can come back if they're able to resuscitate you i'm not sure i'm not a doctor on these things but um, I wonder. I actually thought what happens to people when they're clinically dead. Like, they feel like they're in a coma. Um, there's people who have been pronounced dead, I guess, or been clinically dead, and they say that they have seen um, some sort of afterlife. And there's some people who said that they haven't. And so I wonder. This is just me thinking. I wonder if the ones that they didn't see an afterlife were just like a lesser form of dead than the other. Never. <laughs> that's totally insane. But I feel like you know, we wouldn't have some different versions of the story if there weren't any different versions of being dead i feel like if everyone experienced the same death in the same way we would have the same story or like okay maybe not the same story because everybody experiences things differently but we would have a very generalized idea of what people saw and so i personally believe in um a heaven and a hell so I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm honestly not sure just how dead these people were. That's that's why I'm asking. I don't know. Okay. Let's see. I think I have like one or two more. Okay. One more. This is a pretty cool one as well. And it is by Seize the Day Boys. May 31st, 2014. All right. I was climbing up a very large and steep waterfall. My friend was about 10 meters in front of me. Suddenly, he slipped and fell and started sliding down my left. As soon as I saw him, for some stupid reason, I let go. My life flashed before my eyes, and my brother ended up catching my arm before I go all to the bottom. Thankfully, my friend caught himself on a ledge before a 60-foot fall. So someone else, Estran said, Your life flashed before your eyes? Can you tell me more? And so he says, ha. <laughs> I just say that because it was such a surreal moment for me. It was like time and slow motion. See? See? 
It's a trend here, slow motion time. And all these thoughts and stuff were going through my mind. Again, another trend. You start to hyper-focus on things that's not really about your life. Like, you don't really see a movie of your life from birth till now. But you, like, you start to focus on specific, very specific thoughts. And he says, it was the first time something like that had ever happened to me. It's still out in me. I'll never ever go back to that waterfall again. Cringe when I see people I know trying to walk up it. Anyway, this was. So someone said, have you ever thought that waterfall was haunted? Did you look into the waterfall's history to see if others had died there? What could explain where to go? I mean, why would you do that? <laughs> there have been reports of phenomena like this happening. So, just a thought. And so, sees the boy, sees the day boys, said this. Actually, there have been a couple of people who died there. There are a little more things at the top section. I don't know why I let them. I just did. It was weird. Funny that you comment on this now because this weekend, Halloween, I'm going back to Waterfall with a couple friends on a hiking trip. So, hiking trip, so who knows what is going to happen. I thought you just said you were ever going back. Okay, so some months have gone by. So, he originally posted May 31st, 2014, but then he replied again October 26th. Maybe he just changed his mind. I wasn't scared of the waterfall anymore. Now, I think that this is interesting for different reasons. The other ones are interesting. The other ones are interesting. I think that this one is interesting because of the fact that he let go when he saw his friend slip. No, I'm not going to call this mob mentality, but it's just people. <laughs> but I will say that we do have a habit of imitating and like falling in line with what other people do. And that's not everybody. I'm not saying that, which is um, human nature. We're sometimes just prone to being super influenced by the people around us to the point where we don't even think about things that we do, we just do them. I know that sounds like duh, but case in point, we've got this guy who slips off a waterfall and then this other guy sees it and falls too. So it's kind of like, um, it's like mass hysteria, I guess. I'm going to equate it to that. <laughs> um, like, what was this? I want to say I learned about this in like the eighth or ninth grade. There's this like group of girls who I think lived in, I don't know, Salem. And they were, I don't know, they were like going in the woods, something like that. I want to say it was like nine girls and they went in the woods and like danced. They had like dance hysteria. It was, I don't know what that was. I'm gonna have to look this up. Dancing plague. Is that it? Is that am I thinking about something different? Okay, yes, I totally am. The dancing plague of 1518 was when um like 400 people took to dancing for days without rest. And over the period of about one month, some of those affected collapsed or even died of heart attack, stroke, or exhaustion. So no one really knows why these people just kept dancing. But there was some like I feel like it was in Salem. These girls were like sent into death witchcraft or something like that. Because they were dancing in the woods. Somebody had told me that they had eaten like magic mushrooms. I don't know. It's weird. I'm going to look up later. So that's kind of why I find this one interesting. It's because of the fact that he really didn't even think about it. He doesn't know why he did it. He just saw his friend slip and his brain was just like fall. <laughs> and you know, I... It, all of these things make me so just want to sit and study the brain and, you know, look at human behavior, psychology, why people do the things that they do, um, the different areas and sections of the mind and like the parts of the mind that just maybe we don't use as often and are only activated in certain instances like this, like near-death experiences. What part of the brain lights up when these things happen? Is it just adrenaline? Is it maybe a part of the brain that um what is it like the happiness or the peace side of the brain I don't I don't know the parts of the brain but if there is like a, a piece of the brain that produces uh hormones that make you peaceful and happy like is that the part that lights up like is it a mix of adrenaline and 
the peaceful hormone that mixed together and create this like new concoction of near deathness hyper awareness like now you have the ability to slow down time and well not really slow down time but slow down your thinking enough well quicken your thinking enough <laughs> to where you outthink the situation before you it's super weird it makes me want to study it so I'm going to do that just like I study I've been studying dreams for years and it's so interesting I love looking at the brain and the sleep cycles the patterns um what do you call it sleep paralysis um your REM stages the different meanings of dreams I love looking at the science behind it and maybe just like things that people speculate about it because no one really concretely knows why we dream that's what I've gathered and so I'm going to talk about that a different day but it's just you know the human body the mind everything is just so fascinating and that's why I'm just so psyched to talk about it so hopefully this episode has brought some interest to this area for anyone who may have not previously been interested in it and maybe you want to go look up near-death experiences or share some of your own near-death experiences I would absolutely enjoy and just love to hear about it so with that being said (laughs) that is the end of this episode thank you so so very very much for stopping by whether you have just listened to this on anchor or google Podcasts or like itunes whatever it is whatever it is that you're listening on if you're on youtube thank you so very much and i will see you next wednesday for more peace out you can find me on facebook and instagram at completely random foolishness or on twitter at crf underscore podcast intro and outro music made by eric burwell aka the best dad ever and thanks for listening to this abysmal calamity i call a podcast